Welcome to, hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast brought to you by Cracked Rackets. My name is Alex Gruskin, and we are back with you live for part three of our NCAA tennis coverage. This is covering the NCAA quarterfinal afternoon matches. And joining me on part three of this podcast, he's been on parts one and two, our Cracked Rackets contributor, college tennis guru, and the second best Stachowiak out there, Matt Stachowiak. Hey, great shot, and welcome back. Thank you, Alex. Great to be back here. And uh, I, I definitely want to introduce one of my special friends here that's going to be joining us on the podcast today. We go way back uh, to our junior tennis days in North Carolina. Good friend of mine. His name is Danny Belsito, and he is here with us. Welcome, Danny. Yeah, Danny, or Matt skipped it, but hey, great shot. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, I love talking about tennis, and we've been talking all day, so I'm, yeah, uh, I'm happy to be on here. Our uh, listeners weren't privy to some of the conversations we were having earlier, but just so they know, can you give us a little bit of your background, what you're still doing in tennis, because you're obviously still active. Yeah, so uh, I'm currently playing at Wingate, which is a D2 school right outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm in my third year there. Um, All-American last year? Almost. Right on uh, the cusp. Right, right on the cusp. We talked about this Right on the cusp. Early. Ended up 24 this year. Had an unbelievable year. My team was, uh, we did some great things this year, made some history, so uh, it's good. But, you know, then I come here and I watch these absolute monsters of D1 just showing their stuff, and it makes me think, yeah, I, gotta, I shouldn't be here. I should be on the practice court, but it's okay. I'm enjoying well, it. Enjoying we're happy second. you're here because, obviously, you are significantly better than I am at tennis. I haven't seen Matt play. If I had to guess, right now I'm taking you, Danny. Just the hairline for Matt is a little suspect. And so that alone as a fellow balding member, we don't have it anymore. That's fair. That's fair. (laughs) I'd give it to Danny right now, too. You beat me, man. I'm just ripping on you guys because you ripped on my forearms, which are just (laughs) incredibly burnt. I am so red all throughout. And the reason I am is because we were outdoor glued to these uh, second two matches of the afternoon. And it was really some phenomenal tennis. We had Wake Forest playing Illinois on the top courts, obviously because Wake Forest is the home team. They get the stadium courts. They get the bleachers, all of the pageantry of the NCAA site. But not to be slept on, our third 4-3 match of the day, Texas A&M takes out SEC rival and Young Guns Florida in the quarterfinals. We will recap both of these matches, but to start today's conversation, we have to start with the number one seed, Wake Forest, a comfortable 4-0 victory against number eight seed, Illinois, uh, a team they have played before this year, and so they knew what they were getting into going into it. Uh, you know, we recorded a podcast right before, so I missed the beginning of doubles, or I was just a little bit later than you. I want to start with you, Matt. You saw Wake Forest yesterday. You mentioned in our podcast about yesterday when we recapped the round of 16, how they came out with so much energy in that round of 16 match. And I'm just curious, did they match that effort today? What did you see? Yeah, absolutely. They uh, they came out firing again. Um, you know, I pred- again, again, <laughs> they always do in front of the crowd. I predicted a big win, and sure enough, they delivered. Dubs was great. Um, you know, when you've got guys like Seraphim and Dempster at number three doubles, <laughs> that's a luxury that pretty much any team in the country can't say that they have. So, um, you know, a couple of pretty straightforward doubles wins, and uh, yeah, they just they got it rolling early in the dubs, and then they carried that over to singles. Absolutely. And I want to ask you, Danny, because as an active college tennis player, Look, we've all played tennis, and you know in team tennis, you look forward to a matchup. You look up a guy's record beforehand because you just want to know what you're getting into. And 
you, you see Skander Mansouri at one and his former partner, Christian Seraphim, now playing the three doubles position. As someone who, you know, is aware of a college tennis lineup, do you think Coach Bresky made the right decision there, splitting up his two best doubles players? Well, or do you even think they are the best two doubles players? Well, that's tough because, I don't know, when you have a team that's played together for a while like Skander and Christian did, you know, you might start to fall into a lull. So uh, maybe he saw something that we quite didn't see last year when they were pretty dominant for most of the year. I know they were up there in the college rankings all year long. Um, but Borna, he's a stud. So when you when you combine Borna at the net, his serve, you combine Skander at the net, his serve, that's a team that you're just not touching most of the time. And when you can put Seraphim with a doubles guru like Ian Dempster, who came over for one final hurrah at a national title, they're tough to stop there at three. Not to mention, you have a couple of absolute studs playing two. Petros is no <laughs> one to scoff at, and Barr has an acumen on the doubles court that's rare for somebody in their first year, so they're it, hard to talk. It's really interesting because, obviously, this Wake team has been talked about all year long, but I had never seen them play in person. My first reaction when I came out, oh my gosh, is Mansouri a big boy? Just the hair, the wingspan, all of it. He is on top of the net, just getting on. And it really doesn't matter who he plays with. I can only imagine, and Chris Halioris, who unfortunately could not join us tonight, he had to head back home, was talking about this, how good Seraphim and Mansuri were because Mansuri probably just dominates at the net on the Seraphim serve. But still, when you have a player of Borna Gojo's quality, someone who's top ten in the country in singles, clearly one of the guys in college tennis, you're not missing much at one doubles. And like you mentioned, to have that luxury of Seraphim at three, this Wake team is going to win a lot of doubles points, and man, did they cruise against Illinois. I mean, what did you guys think? Was it, yeah, Wake Forest dominated from start to finish, right? Yeah, they did. You know, one and three, just pretty dominating performances, like we said. Borna and Skander, you know, took out Brown and uh, Caleb Chakravarthy, and then or three, Seraphim and Dempster were able to... Uh, I like Dempster. I really He's the one name that's probably a little less known than all these other guys in doubles. He was very good. It is. And and he transferred in from uh, NC State, for like Danny said, for his last year. And he, he's a dubs guru. I mean, the guy has phenomenal hands. And yeah, they you know they jumped on, jumped on him early. And, and that was the end of it, really, in the dubs. Well, I got two points from that match. Actually, when I walked up, I, I want to say I was... It was 2.03. So I know they had just started, and they were up a break on every court already. I like this. That's tough. When you, walk, when you basically show up to the match and you're already down a break, you're down 2.0, 2.0, You're looking around thinking, somebody save us. We don't know what to do. And I know firsthand, because I actually played Christian Seraphim this past summer. On clay, this guy's serve is something serious. So you, heavy. You can't do much with it. And, and you've got to think, you know, a lot of coaches say you should either step up on the baseline, try and take it early, step back, try and give yourself some time. It doesn't matter what you do. It's not in your hands. Well, it's interesting because Illinois probably had the best player on court three in Alex Vukic, just individually such a stud. It didn't matter. You know, Wake Forest able to get the 6-3 win at three, like you mentioned, Matt. Get the 6-3 win uh, at one doubles as well. What was really interesting, you'd think Wake Forest, you know, they secure the doubles point. They're probably very confident that they're going to beat this team again. But you looked for that first hour of singles, and Illinois really stuck around. You know, I was kind of glued on that Mansouri match because if you've listened to our previous podcast, you know I thought Illinois really needed a win from Hiltzik in order to find the match calculus to win. You know, you guys were sitting together as well during this match and kind of spread out. I'm just curious, Matt, uh, in that first hour of singles play, did you think like I did that Illinois really had a shot there? Yeah, it was incredible. You know, me and Danny were actually standing there together and we were talking about it. I mean, 
Vukic and Alex Brown at one and two came out and dominated. Brown was on fire. On fire against Petros. I mean, Petros is arguably the best player in college tennis, and Brown just rolled him in that first set. Same thing with Vukic. I I was really impressed with the way that uh, Illinois came out in singles responding after losing that doubles point. Um, Z Clark as well grinded out a tough, tough first set against Gajiv at number five. Seven six. I think it's Godjev. Sorry. Hey, great job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, Alex Godjev. Um, so, yeah, no, definitely impressed with Illinois. That first hour of play, they looked like they they could make uh, could make a move. Yeah, I felt the same way. I mean, <clears throat> on a couple of courts, you you saw Wake starting to kind of separate themselves early on court four. Uh, Botzer was separated himself, got an early break. On court three, Skander got an early break. And you kind of saw that they had the confidence coming out of the doubles. But like Matt said, Alex Brown and Alex Vukic are two guys that are not to be messed with. Alex Brown looks like a linebacker out there playing tennis that serves swings into your backhand, big lefty. There's not much you can do. And Petros kind of gave into that. There's not much he could do. He, he started to, The court looked like it shrunk on him a bit. He started missing wide, missing deep. He looked like he was very uncomfortable. And you kind of thought there for a minute, me and Matt were talking, man, Illinois steals another first set on Zeke's court, which they did. Something could go either way. However, I think you could see in the Wake Forest guys as the match went on, when you're as deep as they are and you're as experienced as they are with the confidence that they have on their home courts with that giant booming crowd, they never really felt the pressure yeah, so that we felt. You mentioned a lot of things I do want to touch on. Uh, number one, the Petros, you're right. He came out flat. It just There was nothing there. And whether that's because he was confident, you know, Brown, I, I think he's ranked, yeah, number 87 right now in the country. Obviously a guy who has made a splash, had a lot of good results, split sets with Trevor Johnson in the round of 16. So not someone Petros could take lightly. At the same time, if you were actually at the match watching, Petros was so casual. He was hitting tweeners. He was hitting, like, opposite face shots. He just It seemed as though he knew when it was time to grind down and get comfortable, he could win this match. And, you know, him being up, I think it was 5-4 at the time of clinch with Brown serving, he had a chance to serve for the match. Petros was in control, so I don't know if that's what I was really it. The match I do want to turn to and I want to mention here. I thought Zeke Clark needed to win that first set. I think he was up 5-3, up a break, and Gajev ended up coming back. Yes, Clark ended up taking the the set 7-6, but at that point, Petros had taken the second. Gojo had finally woken up at one singles and was deep into the second. You know, Mansuri was cruising. All these guys were starting to look really good, and, you know, there was a brief moment, like you mentioned, where it did look like Illinois was there. And then, Matt, I just I thought Wake Forest really turned on, and they proved to everyone, this is why we're the number one seed. We're at home. We look really comfortable. Yeah, they definitely did. And, and I told Danny it was funny. After Petros lost the first set, I said, hey, man, you know this is going to turn around. I've seen this story before. Petros has come back from a set down. I knew that he was going to respond. I mean, Brown played out of his mind in the first set, but I knew Petros was going to come back. So, um, you know, we, we see that. And then really the two courts that kind of, you know, I thought were, were big were three and four. Like we said earlier, we knew that Hiltzik, in order for Illinois to have a chance, was probably going to have to take that match against Skander. And when Skander won that first set 6-4, you know, the air kind of got let out of the sails a little bit for uh, the Illini. And yeah, it was tough. Skander and Barbatzer both came through with clutch straight set wins. And, you know, it ended up being 4-0. But we definitely have to give credit to to Illinois. I mean, they didn't go anywhere. And, uh, you know, Vukic, pretty good result, unfinished. 
Uh, same with Brown and Petros, and you know they fought, but you know Wade came came out with it. Yeah, I, I agree with Alex when he's talking about Zeke. When you mentioned that, that's a match that you got to have that in my opinion, should be pretty straightforward. I mean, that's a matchup that Zeke loves. It's a big server. He, he loves the long ground stroke points. Gajev, you said his name? Yeah. He doesn't look like he should be loving the big points. He's, he's a big strapping guy. Big he should, He's trying to bomb balls, coming to the net, close out, and Zeke looked like he was a little uncomfortable. Here goes that thing that we were talking about all day. It's that scoreboard pressure. Zeke's looking around. He's serving for the set 5-3, or maybe trying to break for the set 5-3. But he looks around and he goes, man, Skander is just bombing ace after ace. Borna's starting to fight back. Petros, I can see on the scoreboard, he's starting to find his groove. That affects you as a player. I can tell you straight up this year, I've had many a times that that happened to me where I should have had straight up matches. I look around, I see my guys are cruising, I let off the gas pedal. And I think that's what he did in the reverse way. And I think he kind of thought, man, it doesn't matter how well I play, I may not finish because these guys are so deep. And I think that hurt him. And I think that hurt their team in, in, in general because, like you said, Alex Brown's looking for somebody else around him to put in the effort he is. And Zeke's on the other side, not closing the door. And you, when, against a team like Wake, you've got to shut the door. Any chance you get, you've got to close the shot. I really agree with you. And in terms of Alex Brown, it was him and Vukic at the beginning. Vukic, maybe the first set and a half, was phenomenal. Vukic played like a senior who's on his last week on the job. A guy who's the senior captain of the team is supposed to play. He was a leader out there. He was loud. He was energetic. He was positive and confident. And that is why I was convinced for a little bit that him and Brown might give Illinois a little boost to keep them in the match. But then, as you mentioned, towards the end, it was a race to the finish. You know, Botzer went up 5-4 and got broken serving for the match in the second set. Ends up taking care of Copa Savage, 6-4, 7-5. Same thing, Seraphim, uh, Frisokos racing towards the end. And I should mention, we had Petros on a cracked interview, and shameless plug here, but go check out that cracked interview. It is... <laughs> Sokos, there is no C, just so you guys know. The C is silent, yes. And so, but towards the end, him, Seraphim, Botzer, all racing towards the finish line. And you talk about this incentive of scoreboard watching, looking for your teammates. When all of these matches are getting close and everyone has a chance to finish, you want to be the guy that gets the clinch. And so it's the exact opposite for Wake Forest. They are motivated throughout. They have a home crowd rocking, and it's lit and this match. And you know, to their credit, they really did. They could have let this match kind of slip away had they not refocused. But credit to Coach Bresky, credit to the entire Demon Deacon team. They came out, for, you know, again, sloppy first half hour. And as we move forward in the semifinals, they cannot allow that to happen. But credit to them for rebounding. They looked really good. Any final thoughts on this match? Yeah, no. I mean, it went about the way that I that I predicted. I thought Wake was going to come out with, with a pretty convincing victory, and they did. Um, you know... Basically, what I'm gathering from these guys is they're they're just they're going to be ridiculously tough to beat here. I I don't see any team that's going to be able to take them out. You know, whether they lose a couple first sets, it doesn't matter. They're coming back. They have too much talent, too much depth, and uh, I I think they're on their way. Yeah, and I, I don't mean to cut you off because I do want to hear what you say, Danny. But I agree with you again. Having never seen this Wake team in person. They live up to all of it. They're bigger. They're stronger. They just look like a team that is the favorite. And I imagine they're carrying themselves with the swagger that the Virginia teams, the USC teams, carried with uh, in the past seven years when they've been dominating. But, Danny, what are your final thoughts? Uh, yeah, no, my thoughts are on that. I don't want to let us finish talking about this before I give credit to a couple guys in Illinois that really did have a performance 
that was something to be inspired by. Alex Brown came out there knowing he was playing against, like you said, one of the best players in the country. And he did not let him, he did not shy away from There was no fear. No fear at all. And that's something that should be commended. And I wish that the rest of his teammates had followed suit because I think if they did, it would have been something interesting. And I want to also give a little bit of credit to the two Bulldogs on the end. Zeke showed he's willing to go and take as long as it takes. He'll take that set because he knows his team needs him. And Chakravarthi on the last court, I mean, you can't ask for it. It's a tough Tough matchup. Seraphim on his home courts, humongous serve. Those courts are fast. I know that from experience playing on them. That's a tough ass, but he fought till the end. And you got to give these guys credit, even though Wake is a team that's just on another level. Well, I do want to give a special uh, cracked racket shout out to Caleb on court six for Illinois because he destroyed his racket after losing to Seraphim. <laughs> it was a beauty. The Bablot was in two pieces spread out. And in fairness, if I lost to someone who's 6'10, I would also be destroying my racket. So it's a credit to him. But okay, as we mentioned, Great result from Wake Forest. Let's move on to our other match of the afternoon and our Ooh. third 4-3 result of the day. We had three 4-3 matches today, guys. Just ridiculous. And Bobby Knight, you know, Chris, you're not here today, but all the people who do research on this, I would like to know how many other times in the past there have been three 4-3 quarterfinal matches. And it's a testament to how good all of these top teams are. In this matchup, we have Texas A&M, who has beaten their opponent, Florida, in the SEC season taking out that Florida team 4-3 here. You know, this was a match that was really close doubles point. You had A&M getting a win on the bottom, 6-2, but then Florida coming back. Crawford, who played so well throughout this match, leading his team to a victory at two doubles. And this match came down to the number three team in the country versus the number five team in the country, with A&M taking the win, 7-5 at one doubles. Matt, I have to start with you. What did you see during this doubles point? Oh, phenomenal doubles point. Uh, we knew it was probably going to be a good one. I mean, there's ranked teams all over the place. These guys know how to get it done. Um, two of the best in the SEC and in the country. So I thought it was a good doubles point. Um, I really thought that Florida, in order to have... Needed it. Uh, they needed, really... And it seemed like they knew, too. Because you could tell Perez and Englandson were playing with a little bit of... I don't want to say they put pressure on themselves, but they were a little tight. Exactly. They, they certainly were. And, you know, Aguilar and Arcanada, man, those guys, they're not the biggest, but they can play Ooh, some dogs. So quick. They are quick. They're aggressive. They move well. Their hands are incredible. So, yeah, you know, that point went A&M's way, and that really, I think, that was the difference in the match. You know, we knew that Florida was going to have a shot, but they probably needed dubs to do it. And it turned out that that was the case. Yeah, and, and for me, I didn't catch as much of this doubles as I wanted to because I was kind of glued to the serving and overhead show that uh, Wake Forest was putting on. <laughs> but what I did see is that there were small factors that affected these matches. I thought on court three, it was just Kipson's level. Kipson's level of play, I, I hate to say it, it's just a step above Valle and Kessler. It, they, they just can keep up with the consistency. Kipson doesn't miss first serves very often. They, they were on their heels the entire match. There's not much they could do. When you looked on court two... I really thought the biggest difference was Crawford's enthusiasm. Crawford from the start came out hot. He was hitting big winners, moving all around at the net, yelling, come on, getting the fans engaged, and you just couldn't see Rindernet go. He, he looked a little, little sloppy in the doubles, but you know, he came back. We'll talk about it more in the singles. But he, they were a little sloppy, but th that happens. Then, I, I agree with you. Sorry, because I do want to get back to that, but I want to harp on that point real quick. It was a sloppy match from Texas A&M, just from the get-go. And you have to wonder, playing a conference opponent, the confidence A&M must have come in with. Borderline maybe a little too confident, maybe a little bit on the cockier side. And that was an issue, and that's why Florida was able to hang around. Yeah, no, and uh, don't worry, I, 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 don't worry, Texas A&M guys. You're going to get ripped into a little bit later for 
for the performance you put up because you got to be able to step on the throat when you when you got a chance to, and you did, and you let your foot off the gas, and you let these guys almost steal what was I thought rightfully yours going in. But real quick, back to the number one doubles. I hundred percent agree with you. The Florida guys looked tight. They looked like they needed that, and that was their life support. And they were they got stuck in the mud. We're talking five four. I don't think I saw one guy poach from five four to seven five. That's unbelievable. Aguilar's moving around like a jackrabbit. Arcanada, I don't know if he missed one ball, one first serve. They looked like, hey, this is our match. We're coming to take it. And Florida looked like they needed it, and that affected them. My old coach, Ed Nagel, used to say, winning teams play to win. Losing teams play not to lose. And that is, I think, uh, a cliche version of the point you're trying to make. Texas A&M played to win. Arcanada, and especially Aguilar, oh my. Everywhere on the net, crossing at any time. The second they saw a slice from Perez or Inglitson, gone. And just that little bit of difference when it's a 7-5 set, that's it. Because break points aren't going to be there often. And Texas A&M played to win that doubles point, and that's how they got it. I completely agree. Aguilar, he's my MVP of the day in that match. This guy is everywhere. He was the one guy on that team that from the start of the match said, I'm going to do my part, and we're going to get this win. Energy, energy, energy. from the start. And... My coach and I have this little saying that we do when we play doubles. You run your power play. You run your money play. When these guys came to the end, their money play was big ball poach. They said, we're not going to wait around. We're not going to let these uh, Florida guys stay in, grind like they like to. Perez likes to stay in, have long points in the doubles, work the lob. They said, bump that. We're hitting the big ball. We're moving. And we're closing the show. That's what they did. And they sucked the life out of Florida. If we could edit, you would have said that, but we can't right. edit, and I'm sorry. So we can't. You, I'm sorry that I dropped an F bomb there, but I feel your point. My completely. mom might be listening. Yeah, like, oh, I, gotcha. sorry about it. I wouldn't have brought Danny on if I knew I was going to swear. <laughs> but please, Matt. Yeah, well, I just want to say, you know, big shout out to both Aguilar and Arcanada. Transitioning into the singles play, those guys put up straight <laughs> set victories. They closed the deal. They had a phenomenal doubles point. They carried it right over to singles. They had the energy, and those guys. I mean. Like Danny said, they've got to be the MVPs. I mean, Arcanada over Perez was a great result. We knew that he could get it done, but he took him out in straight sets. Great result there. Uh, same thing with Aguilar. You know, Aguilar was just, he was he was a man-child all day. So um, really, you know, it was great to see those guys do that. But we got to give Florida some credit here. They made this thing a serious match. And it started with Crawford at one. He won a big first set against Kip at one and that kind of started the show and uh you know also Andy Andrade at at uh number four you know those guys they were huge for the Gators Johannes Ingoldson coming off a tough tough match against Ole Miss in the round of 16 he cramped up he was in the hospital and this guy comes back and he is just giving it everything he's got so Florida you know they didn't get too disappointed uh, and they made this thing one hell of a match, and it was just it was a pleasure to be there. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And you talk about some guys who we need to discuss their performances from this match. Number one, and I'm going to pat myself on the back here, I said Crawford's the guy for this match. I said the way he embraces the environment, just how well he's been playing, I thought he was going to do well, and he goes 2-0 and here. He wins in doubles, takes out number five, Kipson, 6-4-7-6. And to our listeners who don't know, Crawford and Kipson grew up training together. They're best friends, so there is a lot of background in the match, and when you're playing someone that close, you're, you're never really going to play your best tennis. But, man, did Oliver Crawford play really well throughout, and he dominated Kipson in that second set breaker, and so that's a credit to him. Another guy I want to talk about, and just the match, 
because when we talked about this in our preview, we talked about the match calculus. And doubles point aside, it was disappointing for them. But when I was looking at this match, I said, Florida needs to get one. They got it. Florida needs to get six when you have Kessler down there. And Kessler got it. Kessler is the heartbeat of this team, as Chris Hallioris would always say. Kessler, just the energy he plays with. Go Gators always, or go Florida. And it was contagious, and for a guy like Cantanzari, who's injured, he just couldn't sustain that level of play. So those are the two wins they needed. Then you needed two more. I mean, the three of us were talking about, and this is where I want to go to you, Danny. Andy and Dre, to get the win, 2-6-6-3-6-4. What happened on that court? I'll tell you what happened. Andy Andrade must have a short memory because the last time he stepped out on the court, you played my good buddy, Gray Hamilton, and you just got wiped. Race There's Matt nothing you can do. <laughs> Gray indoors is a powerhouse. I know that firsthand for many years of juniors. Andy had no shot. But then Andy said, as I said before, we're outside bump now. that. <laughs> yeah. We're outside now. This is my playground. I don't care who I'm playing against. I'm grinding my absolute face off. And that's what he did. Or off. <laughs> Trying to keep it clean. Yeah. No, he came out, lost the first set, and I turned to Matt and I said, oh, so he's done. Because from the last time I saw him lose the first set like that, he absolutely handed it in. He's like, I'm good. It's not my day. Not today. This guy dug his heels in, gripped his racket a little tighter, and said, you're going to have to kill me to get me off this court. And credit to Val. Val came out, and he was really playing some good tennis, too. It's not like he gave up anything. Andrade was not willing to give an inch. He, and he did some questionable shot selections throughout that match. I don't know what it was. Some uh, pretty ridiculous drop shots that did not work. But then he stuck with the plan. He kept on grinding, and those drop shots paid dividends at the end because you saw Bastrell's legs starting to waver at the end of that match, and he ended up squeezing out, which ended up being massive. That's what I'm saying. For him to lose a 6-2 first set and rebound the way he did, Matt, what did you see? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I think on the last podcast we were talking about it, and we thought that court four and court two for A&M were going to be probably routine wins, right? Vachero and Rinderneck, we thought we're going to take it, you know, probably straight sets. So Vachero wins the uh, first set, and, you know, we thought that was going. But Rinderneck is in a tight battle, and I just, uh, we've got to give credit to both Johannes Ingoldson and Andy Andrade because those guys, we thought they were going to probably get wiped, and they, I mean, they they came out and they were just, they were as good as, as could be. So, um, Big credit to those guys, but yeah, you know, it came down, it, it came down to the last match, and it happened to be two. Um, you know, the Crawford result was unbelievable. That's the best I've seen Oliver Crawford play, and I've seen him play quite often, even dating back to the juniors. I've seen him play many, many times, and he's playing at a level right now that I, to be honest, I didn't know that Crawford could play at that level. So big credit to him. Overall, phenomenal match, and A&M's moving on. All right, but <laughs> I cannot let us get away from I this match without calling out my boy, Patrick. Patrick, my man. We've been friends forever. I've known you since you were eight, nine years old. You've always had the potential to be what you are now. You're a monster. We all know you're going straight to the big leagues after this, and you're going to be successful. But for the love of God, show some heart. You did not even look like you wanted to be out there today. You looked like, oh, it's Florida. We've beaten them before. So what? Crawford, he's my buddy. He's not going to take this from me. Man, grow some You got to go out there and beat your friend into the ground. 
You cannot go out. The way he looked today looked like he doesn't even want to be there anymore. And I know he does. I know he enjoys the college tennis, but he looked like he didn't want to. And you could tell Crawford was feeding off his boy Kessler from across the site. You could hear Kessler getting pumped up. Kessler's playing the bottom of the lineup. He always does. But as Alex said, he's the heartbeat of that team. He knows he's got to bring it every single day. And that's what he did today. And Oliver fed off that. But Gibson did not give his team anything, and I think that's the only reason this match was as tight as it was, because I think Val expected Patrick to show a little something more, and Val couldn't get anything from him. And then Arthur's thinking, what's going on here? My guy's losing a first set, he never loses. And, and now I'm losing a first set to this guy who I heard was in the hospital last night. I heard this guy didn't have two good legs, but for some reason he's coming out and showing more than my number one guy. That's tough. And you can see it in A&M's faces on the court, their demeanor, they expected it to be a little easier than it was today. And you got to credit those guys because they still – Rindernick stayed in there. He figured it out. He, he played the smart tennis at the end. He made the points long. And God bless Ingleson for the fight he put up. you got to be commended for the inspirational performance he put up after what happened in the last match. But golly, A&M, you got to show more than that because tomorrow you're not getting off quite that easy. So you better show a little something more. Yeah, you know, really that match at number one came down to heart, and, and Crawford had it. You know, Kip just didn't look like he wanted it as bad as Oliver did. And and so – And I, I just want to say I don't think that's being rude to Kip. No, I think that's a testament to Crawford. Right? 100%. It is, it is. Like I said before, that is the best I've seen Oliver play – in all the years that I've been I've been following him, and so huge credit to him. He he battled. He wanted it more, and he's playing at an unbelievable level. So it comes down to the last match, man, and the senior Arthur Rinderneck. We knew he was a big favorite going into that match. He was able to get it done. Didn't show really any nerves in that third set. It was on him. He wanted it to be on him. It was his match, and and he came through. He did come through and testament to him. But one last thing about that number one. One thing that I take very seriously when it comes to college tennis, college tennis is who's going to be the leader? Who's going to be the guy that comes out who has that stone-cold mentality? I don't care what happens. I'm locked in. I'm ready to go. When you're playing at the top of the lineup, I don't care if you're freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. you got to have that. You just got to. I know they've got seniors across that lineup. I know they've got experienced guys who are more battle-tested in college tennis than Kip. But you gotta show more than that. You just gotta you gotta be a stone cold killer. And that's what Crawford's been since I've seen him. He's been a killer. I think you mentioned seventeen match win streak or something. Something incredible. Crazy. I, don't know yeah. that it is. I agree with you. Uh, you know, I'd wanna mention two more things about this before we get into our semifinal preview. Part one, you, you mentioned this when we were watching Danny, and I thought this was a really good point and something I wanted to talk about in this podcast. Even though Florida was losing in that Rinderneck match, the energy from the Florida sideline, they're pumping up their guy, you know, go Joe, go Joe, blue, orange, all of those things. So much different than Texas A&M, who it really did seem like, you know, we're all going to put in our individual work, and because we have so much talent, we can win. And when you're playing these top teams, that's just not going to fly. You need something more than that. You need a collective spirit. Uh, you just need to be more enthusiastic if you want to beat these top teams. Another thing I want to mention about this, I, we gave him a little bit of credit earlier, but Aguilar and Arcanada, so good, just all in this match. Arcanada Perez was quietly... One of my top three matches of the day. That's a match. Arcanada beats Perez 6-3, 6-4. Such a good win for him and so important for Texas A&M to have him playing well at three. If he can put a scare into Skander, look out. And so, you know what? Screw it. Let's just get right into that semifinal. I do want to preview that. Uh, You're looking at this matchup in terms of UTRs. I think 
Uh, Gojo is a bit of a favorite over Kipson. Hrisokos over Rinderneck. Just all throughout the lineup, really, uh, on paper, Wake Forest is the favorite team. And in terms of doubles lineups, they've got more ranked teams. I guess looking forward, you know what, Danny, I'm going to ask you, you're going to take the Chris Halioris role. What is the calculus for each of these teams to win? You know, is it... You know, Wake's obviously got to take, or Wake will take the doubles points likely, but for Texas and they've probably got to take the doubles point. And then you look at the matchups. Is it Kipson over Gojo? Is that one they really need? Is it, you know, what, what are you seeing? Yeah, I think it's almost a foregone conclusion that Wake takes the doubles point against basically anybody they play at wow. home. I, I really, I really do think so. That's and that's point. no hate towards AM. Do I think AM's got one of the top three doubles teams in the country going across? Yeah, they're pretty good. Wake's just the best out there when it comes to depth in the doubles. So I think that's almost a foregone conclusion. I hate to say it. You know, spoiler alert to anybody who's excited for that. I don't think it's coming. Well, you mentioned this earlier. I mean, similar to how Illinois has Vukic at three doubles and something Wake Forest saw, you know, AM has Kips in there. So it's not like the Wake Forest three doubles team isn't ready for that quality of player. Also, with uh, Seraphim playing down at three, he played one all those years. Someone like Kipson isn't going to scare him. He's not going to be intimidated by that moment. I agree with that. And, and as I mentioned before, Kipson's level at three is is pretty second to none. It's hard to get a guy at that level to be playing three doubles on your team. That That's a luxury, like you said. However, that luxury doesn't quite stack up, I don't think, to the luxury that Wake Forest has. They have one of the craftiest, I'd say, doubles players in Ian Dempster and just one of the powerhouse doubles players in Kristen Seraphim. When you got a guy serving 130 and a guy who's running around at the net like that, I don't know if Kipson can quite carry them over the edge. However, my little dark horse team that might surprise somebody is that Aguilar Arcanada team at number one. Gojo and Mansuri have been balling. They've been beating everybody, getting that early break, riding it out. But I'm telling you, those big bodies are not going to intimidate little Aguilar. That guy's ready to go. He's going to be moving everywhere. I don't know if Skander's going to lose him looking around on the court because the guy is a little jackrabbit out there. I can see those guys maybe pulling the upset, but I think because Wake's so deep, I think they end up pulling that uh, two and three and taking the doubles point that way. Yeah, Danny, I definitely agree with you there, man. Um, I think Wake is going to take doubles. I think it can be a competitive doubles point, but in the end, Wake's going to take it. And I'm really looking at three different singles matches across the board here. What I'm going to be watching for is court number one. Yep. How does Kipson, you know, come back after the loss to Crawford? How does he play against Borna Gojo? That's a match that I'm going to be glued to. Also, court three, Jordi Arganada against Skander Mansori. How's that going to go? Look, both of them pretty much win all. The, they're two of the best number threes in the country, bar none. I say so, the two best. What about Prisokos and Rinderneck at two? And two really, it's ridiculous. Look, exactly, <laughs> you, know, you look at all these matchups, and then I go down to five, and I say... Aguilar, as well as he played today, I think he can probably take out almost anybody that Wake might put in at five. I think he got you, Bob. Now, we sorry. don't think so. <laughs> I think he's really I'm with you. But is Bresky going to keep Gajev in there at five? I doubt it. I think he makes a lineup change. What, Seraphim goes back? Seraphim, I, you know, I don't know what he's going to do. Maybe we see a Kungu sighting Ooh. for the first time in the tournament. Maybe Julian Slobinski comes back in and Yuval plays. Solomon. Yuval Solomon. Solomon. Look, Bresky's got options, right? This is the luxury that he has. He has more depth than anybody in the entire country. So I have a feeling we're going to see a different five and six from Wake. But Aguilar is going to be the favorite for me. Definitely at number five. I'll tell you two places where you love to have options. In your singles lineup, 
and with girls. It's always good to have options in both of those things. And Tony Bresky has more options for with his girls. singles lineup. Oh, with no, I'm just kidding, Coach. You've got more options in singles than you know what to do with. It's almost like, can he make that right decision? Is it smart to just leave Gajev in there to get absolutely f***ed? Because in what I saw from Gajev today, Aguilar's going to run you into the ground. Sorry, kid. But when I look at the top of this lineup, I think Kipson's got to be able to come back from today. That's good. That's a I think he can. I think he can. I think he's tough enough to do it. I think he wants it enough to do it. Am I 100% sure of that? No. But, he? but... I think he's good enough to do it. And Borna loves playing in front of that crowd. That's an X factor in this match. That crowd may shut A&M down from the start. But if Kipson can get into the head of Gojo, get a little early break, we'll see. And I'll tell you right now, Matt, you hit it right on the head. The match of the day to me is that number three singles match. Arcanada with that shiny blonde hair is going to be moving all around, <laughs> slapping forehands, getting every ball. I don't know if Skander's going to know what to do. Skander... We're talking about one of the most clutch guys all year. My man clinched national indoors. He clinched the conference tournament. This guy knows about the big match. And he did both of those without his home crowd. And you saw it today. He shut down Aaron Hilton like it was nothing. And I think he may do the same with Jordy. But if he doesn't, and Aguilar gets that win, like I think he will. Kissing gets that win, like I think he will. And Jordy starts sneaking up in there. All of a sudden, Rinderneck Chrysokos. Hey, Petro showed he could be, he could be touched today. That error, that little air of invincibility that he has got shook up a little bit today. Who knows how that will affect him. He looked pretty smooth to end today. But Rinderneck is coming off another big win. I don't know about A&M's chances at six. I don't even know who they've got down there, to be honest. Botser and Vashro is a match. But I think the way Botser looked today, I think he handles Vashro pretty easy. I don't know how Vashro's legs are feeling. Those drop shots from from freaking Andrade. I think that might be a bit. I think Barbato should be sending him a thank you note tonight, saying thanks for ruining this guy because I think that's a tough matchup for him on any day, but tomorrow. Before you go, man, I just want to say about three times in that rant you titled this episode. We're definitely going to go <laughs> best place to have options. <laughs> that's the title for sure. Lock it in. But what are you saying, Matt? Yeah, no, definitely. I I really see this match probably as a 4-2 or a 4-3 for Wake. I'm sticking with Wake, obviously. They're my pick to win the tournament. I'm, I'm not going back on that now. But I'm, it's going to be, I really think it's going to be 4-2 or 4-3. This is not going to be another 4-0, you know, Wake sweep like we've seen the past couple of days and, and all throughout the year. A&M, too much firepower. They're too experienced. They're too good to just go down 4-0 like that. So I'm looking for a, a tight competitive match. And, you know, it's going to come down to one of these unbelievable matchups like we talked about probably at one or two. And I'm going to be interested to see how Rinderneck's legs are. You know, <laughs> he went in a third today. We know Petros is going to be fresh. The guy's fit as a fiddle. He's always going to be fresh. I, I mean, I've got to favor Petros there. It's hard to pick against him. It's <laughs> hard to pick against him. But look, Rinderneck's a top 10 player. He really is. Chilich-like. So, Chilich-like. The guy's huge. He can rip serves. His forehand's big. So, you know, we'll see what the day brings. But I'm, I'm looking forward to a good one here. Yeah, I think this is going to be one hell of a match. But I'm telling you, for some reason, it just stuck out to me. I don't know why I think this, but I think this match is going to be a little bit decided by whoever comes out early on six. Because Kay Tanzaridi has shown 
he's a little bit punch drunk from what happened to him in that SEC tournament final. I don't know if that's still sneaking in his head, but he has not been playing his best tennis. And as we talked about with options, who knows who's going to be there at six. But I'll tell you right now, if he puts one of those big servers, Sarah from Agajev at six, Kate Tanzarini may not have time to exercise those demons. He might just be dealing with serve here, serve there, ace here, ace there, and his rhythm's going to be completely shot. I think if that happens and he comes out real slow, I, I think you might be wrong with that 4-2. I think it might be a little quicker. I think Vashiro's legs are shot. I think Rinderneck's legs may be shot. And I think Kate Tanzarini's mental strength may be shot. And for me, mental strength and that scoreboard pressure, I think Wake may bring it on those courts and shut the door early. So a couple of things I want to touch on from that, uh, all the points you made there. Number one, um, first of all, I very much agree. I thought that was a great point about what's going to happen at six singles. But we've talked about this throughout the day. Uh, this Texas A&M team just their lack of energy, their lack of cohesiveness as a unit. That is an issue when you're playing a Wake Forest team at home. You need to bring the energy. You need to be able to respond, and we don't know if they're going to be able to do that. Similarly, you know, this is unsourced, and I don't want to reveal who I've been talking to, but the talk of Winston-Salem has been, you know, it sounds like Kipson's going to go pro after this semester. It sounds like he's one and done, which totally fair. Patrick Kipson has every right to do that as a tennis player. You have no right to be angry with him if you're a fan because he wants to pursue his professional career. Like get out, get out of his way. He's allowed to do whatever he wants. However, when you're looking at that incentive, it is. 95 degrees outside my arms are lobster red <laughs> and it's just like you expect me i'm going pro after this you want me to battle it out with uh born gojo who's just going to be moving me side to side like i don't want to do that and so that is you know a going to need to be locked in and if there's even a shred of doubt you cannot give wake force an opening because as you both mentioned they are too talented they will hop on it and that's why in terms of prediction predictions i'm gonna have to side with you danny i think you know i was a little bit scared when illinois uh kind of had a really good early moment uh run of momentum in that early thing and you look at me alex this match is over at 4 30 like i trust me i, I i've <laughs> seen wake force i've seen this recipe too many times and you're right and now that i've seen them in person it's hard to doubt them yeah and i get two points about a&m i think as you said, Wake, it is hard to doubt them. It's hard to pick against them. They're just the most solid college tennis team that I've seen since the days of Stevie Johnson with that Southern Cal team. They have oh, the looks of that. On. I'm sorry. I have to cut you off right now. For Uh-oh. you to say those Virginia teams were not better than the Stevie Johnson teams, we're going to have beef. Because <laughs> those Virginia teams, the depth, the four through six, they're taking it against USC every time. Are you kidding what? me? Richard Aragoni Weirsholm. All right, all right. They show up all tomorrow right. and they all win right. this tournament. All right, I may. All right, maybe I have a little hatred against Virginia. <laughs> maybe I don't want to mention them. Maybe they beat my boys last year. I would say that's those are my hometown boys. <laughs> I can never vote against Boyden. I can't go against Rob <laughs> Kelly. Those are my guys. I got a little bit of a little hatred for those boys over Virginia. Hey, they're doing their thing. How many did they win? Whatever. I got too many four fingers. Five, I don't you know, have enough fingers deal. to I count. I won four and five. All right, enough of that. But but they're deep. That's how deep they are. And that team is tough to beat. But the two things about AM, and I'm gonna I'm gonna shout out my own boy on my team at Wingate, Enrico. He may have to have a little Kipson. He had a little Kipson in him in our conference tournament. He didn't look like he was ready to go. But I had to pull him aside and I had to tell him, hey man, that's why you have a team. We can lift you up. And we, and we came back, we won the conference tournament the next day, and Enrico clinched the match. What a story. I'm hoping one of the seniors, Rinderneck, maybe Mr. K Tanzaridi, grabs. Kipson and says, listen, Arcanata. listen, bro, Arcanada, we need you. You're our guy. Hey, hey, we need you. We need <laughs> you to do something, okay? And, and, and that is, in my opinion, the only way. And if he comes out, like you said, with the same mentality he had today, 
those three seniors, I don't know if they're going to talk to him after the match because you're talking about if he does go pro and those three seniors leave, you're leaving a couple of guys like, hey, why didn't you give me everything? And you saw everything from Rinderneck today. And like you said, he was money in the, in the, in the clutch time. Kipson wasn't. I think that's going to be big. Yeah, you know, I, I agree. But, again, I just want to say that A&M really has been a dark horse team for me all year. They've Number got six in the country, five six in the country. Six in the country. What I mean is like a dark horse. But not to, the traditional powerhouse. Not sure. the traditional sure. powerhouse. These guys kind of slide under the radar. You know, nationally, I feel like all around country. Station. Well, right. It's College Station. How many people are really, really following Texas A&M? But I'm telling you. These guys have skill. They've got depth. They've got talent. They've got two top 10 caliber players at the top of the lineup. Kip and Rinderneck are both top 10 players. And then you go down the line, man, Jordy, Vachero, Aguilar. You look at it. I'm telling you, these guys are going to put up a fight. Wake is going to win. I'm telling you this right now. Wake will win, but spoiler spoiler yeah. alert: Wake's gonna win. You don't have to go tomorrow. Don't, watch, don't do anything. Wake has won. We actually want be- we want better seats. So please We're recording actually, this don't. on Monday. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be a good match. I really, I really believe that. I'm sticking with Wake, but I think it's gonna be at least four two. I think A and M can definitely win two singles. Yeah, I, I, that's a good prediction. What are you thinking, Danny? Because we, sh- you know, we're at the 45 minute mark. We have been projecting for a while. What are you seeing? Yeah, no, my last point is I hope you're right. Matt, you know, I hope you're right. These guys have the tools. I never doubted the tools that they have. I'm doubting what maybe is between their legs. I want to see can these guys really show something. Some cojones factor. Some cojones, man. Let that thing hang. Shout out Wingate. (laughs) You got to be able to show a little more heart than that. If those guys can really show that heart, Aguilar showed it. Arcanada showed it. If they can get in these guys' heads, hey, boys, wake up. Let's do this. We can do this. We have the tools to do it. Maybe you're right. What I saw today, I got to see a big difference. And to do it in 24 hours, quick turnaround with some some heavy legs, it's a tough ask. Love the Wingate plug. I'm going to ask you for a pick, Danny. What is it? Wake Forest over uh, – I'm forgetting who they're playing already. That's how hot it was. A&M? My prediction, 4-1. I say 4-1 Wake. And the one one loss, my man Aguilar. He's going to get it done quick, I think. I like it. Don't care who it is. Seraphim. Gajev, Zlobinski, Belsito, Aguilar's crushing whoever comes out on the court that day. Hey, Breski, I'm available. (laughs) Whoever you need, whoever's out there, Aguilar's handling business. He just looks like he wants it more than anybody else, and I think he gets a job done. Other than that, we'll see. Matthew? Yep, I agree with that. I'm going to pick Wake 4-2. I think Aguilar gets it done at number 5, and I think either Court 1, Kip, or Court 3, Arcanada, gets the job done for the Aggies. It's going to be a 4-2 result. Just to combat that real quick, I'm going to say Mansuri clinches again oh. over Arcanada with that beautiful head of hair. It's just not going to be enough. If it was Rinderneck, Gojo, and Kipson, Hrisokos, I would think differently about the score. But you look at this matchup, you know, Hrisokos is going to give Rinderneck fits because he's just going to stick around. He's going to move side to side. It's going to be really hard to knock him off. You imagine he's going to come out with more intensity than he did today. You know, we've broken down all of these matches at length. So in terms of my pick, I agree with you guys. A&M's very talented. They certainly have the talent to pull off the upset. I don't think they have enough in doubles. And when you allow Wake Forest to take a 1-0 lead, you're just not going to beat them four times in singles, especially at home. It's just too hard. So I think Wake takes the doubles point. I think they win 4-2. I think Petros beats a tired Rinderneck. I think they get wins. Bots are at four. And then... 
maybe at six, maybe a Catanzariti is injured, or maybe you know it's a Seraphim or a, a Zlobinski who's just able to hit those big serves. So I think those are the positions for them. Okay, I want to do one last thing before we go. This is a segment we try and do on every podcast. Obviously, we didn't do this on our earlier Great Shot Pod, but it's because we didn't want to be late for the matches. It's my favorite segment of the show, and although we usually incorporate sound effects, we're not going to be able to do that this time. So I'm going to say to myself, Alex, cue the drum roll, please. It's time for this week's... Oh, that was good. (laughs) It's time for this week's Changeover Chat. The changeover chat. I miss you, Rothman. Come home soon. So, I want to ask you guys the same five questions we discussed when we did our last podcast. That's just a brief overview of all of these matches we saw. I just want to hear the highlights you guys have. I'm going to start with you, Danny, because you're new to the pod, and thus we want to give you the first word. Uh, looking from what you saw today, what was your favorite individual match that you were able to watch? Ooh, today, I'm going to have to go with my man, Andy Andrade. Man, he showed me something. I really thought the beatdown he took a couple days ago was going to stay in his head. From Gray? From Gray. Gray gave him a whooping. But, and one thing that sticks out for me is the mental toughness there. And that's what, that's what I love to see. The Florida boys showed it, and Andrade led the way. Man, at the end of that match, we were watching, and we're like, man, they need this one. Andrade's got to show some cojones, and he did. He had some crazy drop shots on some big points. Man, I love that. Nothing gets me going like a nice little bulldog like that, especially against Vashro, who's been widely known as one of the best fours, if not the best four, in the country. And he's been consistent all year. So for Andrade to step up and get that win and give them a chance – Huge. Very important. What about you, Matt? Yeah, I like that pick, Danny. Um, I'm going to go with a different one. I'm going to say, for me, the best match of the day that I enjoyed the most was Torpegard no, against, uh, against Nunez. Okay, no. look. Three all. It comes down to court one. It was everything that I wanted. Torp was so good in that third set. I mean, he was just, he didn't miss. The guy came up with all the big points when he needed it. He showed he's a senior, one of the best players in the country. That definitely was my favorite match of the day. You stole my match. Torbegard played man. to win. No, it's okay. He played to win. And to see that from a senior, from a guy who clearly has benefited from his cracked interview experience, just so prepared. <laughs> he looked it. so good out there. Yeah, I had to give the shameless plug. Like, you know that. <laughs> Thank you. So that was the match I want to take, especially because in terms of narratives, three all match. You have two of the top probably five players in the country. I don't think anyone would dispute that. And it comes down to them. That's what college tennis is all about. And yep. It was wonderful. I will give a shout-out to just a, one more match. That's the Crawford-Kipson match. And actually, let's talk about all of these one singles matches real quick. Crawford-Kipson, Torp Nuno, Holt Redlicky, uh, and uh, who and am I missing? I'm missing Gojo and Vukic. And Gojo and Vukic. Yeah. All of them, such good matches. Only Kipson, Crawford go straight sets. All yep. of those matches, and in the Redlicky-Holt case and the Torp Nuno case, those are the matches they came down to and just... You want the best players playing in the high-pressure situation, and we got that today. Yep. And so it was all the tennis I could have hoped for and more. Okay, we get a favorite match. I want to ask you, your favorite player performance of the day? It can be singles, doubles, whatever you saw. Favorite player it's tough, performance. There are a lot of yeah, good players this today. is tough. Um, I'm going to go with Keegan Smith from UCLA. Uh, Dubs and singles, the guy's an animal. Um you know, big-time performance uh, for him against his rival, USC. I mean, the guy has been clutch all year. He's a freshman. Um, you know, I've, I've got to say, best individual performance, Keegan Smith, UCLA, man. 
What about you, Dan? I was thinking about Keegan as well because he was somebody, who's fun. He's somebody <laughs> yeah. who's fun to watch. I thought about him at first because he's fun to watch. He's loud. He's obnoxious. And damn it, that's what you need. It's college <laughs> yeah. tennis. Yep. Have some fun out there. Yell in somebody's face. Celebrate. Get your, get your crowd pumped up. And that's what he did. But I went, because I like drama, with a friend beating a friend. Oliver Crawford showed something today. Kipson is, we all know, he's going straight to the big leagues. He's after the guy. This. He's yeah. going straight to the pros. He, he's been groomed for that since he was 12. I've known that. That's been their plan. So for Oliver Crawford to step in and say, you know, you're my boy and all, and you can have the, the, the spotlight after this, but today's my day. I'm going to keep my boys in this. And that's huge. He came out. He was solid as a rock. I don't know if he got broken all day. Yeah, How is a guy I, like that? I mean, Crawford's not a big strapping guy. Nope. He's got a good, but he held he every single Kipson time. Side to he side. moved Kipson side to side. He came in, closed the volleys. Kipson never, never looked comfortable in that match. I mean, we've gone in on Kipson enough, so I'm gonna let you go this time. But Crawford showed a lot, so that was definitely my favorite performance to keep his team alive. Yeah, and I just want to say one more thing about Crawford. He was cool as a cucumber. I mean, the guy didn't show any emotion. Okay. Can we real quick? Are cucumbers cool? Like, I, I don't get it. They're fresh at the, the supermarket. I think, they, I think they can be. <laughs> I've never seen I think like a cool. cucumber. Wow, I, don't cool cucumber. I don't eat many cucumbers, but I, I think they can be cool. Sure, but go on. Um, I get the point. Yeah, no, me and Danny were talking about it, you know. Crawford didn't show any emotion, whether he was winning, losing, whatever it was, he just stayed even keeled. It was it was great to watch. Yeah, that's, great, that, that's that, that stone cold mentality stone that cold. you're talking about. Stone cold. You know, for me, I think the obvious answer would be to say Torpegar, just to, you know, lose doubles but then rebound clinch against Nuno, who's you know, top two in the country right now. Just a great win for him, especially because he is the senior captain of that Buckeye team. They rely on him to come through in big moments like that, and it just seems like he routinely does. And so it never ceases to be impressive. But the guy I want to give a shout-out to, we mentioned this when talking about Wake Forest, Christian Serafin. He gets a 6-3 win at three doubles. He comes back after losing yesterday, being the only person to lose at five singles, demoted in the lineup, but it doesn't affect his mental state, gets a win at six for a senior to do that in front of your home crowd. Those are the type of little plays that propel teams to national titles. And just really important for Seraphim to get that win, to get that confidence under his belt. And it's a testament to him, so I was really happy to see it. Absolutely. Okay, I want to do a quick one. Matt, you're out on this question because I know your answer. I want to ask you, Danny, best uniform you saw today? I thought Matt, you can answer after. If if I had to say, I'd say... The uniform battle between my two teams that I thought were at the top was about as close as their match today with UCLA and USC. <laughs> UCLA's baby blue it's and nice. the gold that Red Licky put on for that third mm. set, he looked like Tiger with the red on a Sunday. This guy was ready for war. He put on that, I'd say it's a nice, a little bit dark gold. It's nice. It looks like you put it through the dryer maybe once or twice too many. It's an off-brand maze. It's an off-brand maze. <laughs> but, man, that stuff is money. And it's classic. You think of UCLA... You think of John Wooden, you think of titles, you think of championships, and that baby blue, that gold, it screams championship. But i got to give a shout-out to Southern Cal. Seeing that uniform, you know from what I said before, Southern Cal, Stevie Johnson, brings back good memories, and that is classic. I mean, that red and gold, it's so classic. You just see USC, you think championships. Those two teams, they're storied colleges and they're storied tennis programs, but it was close, but I get the slight edge. To my man Red Lake, he I'm ended up getting the clinch in that money gold shirt. I hate to cut you off, Matt, but I just want to say I agree. USC's uniforms, I, I don't want to say it's the it's like the Alabama Crimson Tide football uniforms. It's just the tradition, the class, the the red. Oh, it's gorgeous. And so I was all in on USC. But what about you, Matt? Yeah, I'm gonna go with those are good picks, no doubt. I'm gonna go with a little bit of a darker shade of red and go with the A and M Aggies. 
that maroon, I just, I love that color. I really do. That's, that's, that's that my take. Minnesota A&M. That's, that's, that's right. I'm, you have a type. I do. I'm feeling, <laughs> I'm feeling that color. So I'm going with no, A&M. Watch Best out. uniforms, Texas A&M, maroon. So does that mean you like Wendy's over McDonald's because you like the redhead in the photo? <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I, can I see you that. thinking. <laughs> I can roll with that. That four for four deal, man. It's four crazy. for four, man. Yeah, but before, play. hey, I don't know if you guys mentioned this on another podcast, but them old Miss uniforms from a couple days ago, the oh, stripes. Yeah. Alex, yeah. I know you don't <laughs> like them, but those things were classic. Shout out Ole Miss for giving them boys those jerseys to look real smooth, and it almost propelled them to a win over Florida. But my man Kessler came it's out. It's funny because I really did like them. I'm not going to lie. But then my former college roommate and one of my closest friends, Michael Azaparty, texted me and he goes, oh, and I think you made the same joke too. He goes, oh, what? They didn't have money to finish the stripes? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, like clearly they didn't. And so I got to see the finished stripe. Then I think I said this last time. It's like an Atletico Madrid jersey. Ooh. Then we're really talking. So I really would have liked that. Okay. I want to do one more question before we go. And you guys know from talking to me, this is my favorite part of these days. The best hook you saw all day. Matt, start it off. Yeah, I'm going to have to go. I don't know if I can pick out one specific hook. Because there, there were, were so there many. Were a lot. <laughs> there were a lot. I love it. Yeah, what I want to point out here. It's what, what I, sorry to cut you off, but whenever there would be a hook, the parents would get mad, and there would always be a parent <laughs> next to me who would hear me being like, let's go. Like, I love the hooks. And they'd be like, huh? And then they'd realize I'd cheer when both teams hook, and they'd be like, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Exactly. There's, there's plenty of hooks to go around. We could pick any one, but... I'm just going to point out the John McNally match for Ohio State against Mississippi State. There were arguments all over the place. I can't just pick out one specific hook. I'm just saying the whole match because that chair umpire got involved way more than he would have liked. I think he was overwhelmed. There were calls that were going all over the place. I'm just picking as the best hook. That entire match. <laughs> it was just one big hook. That entire match. I love it. Core three, Ohio State versus Mississippi State. I was going to say, if you haven't seen any of those highlights, you weren't able to catch the live stream. I believe I got a video of a big McNally controversy on Twitter, so go check out our Twitter handle, crackedrackets.com, to be able to see that. Danny, what do you think? Well, mine's a little different. I think you guys might find us a little bit creative. It was a hook overall combo but not by who you'd think. So Mr. Mansouri, as we all know, anybody knows college tennis knows that that serve is about as hard as they come. I can barely see it. We're in bird's eye view. I can barely see. In, out, who knows? I'm just closing my eyes and swinging against that thing. But he hits a serve out wide against Aaron Hiltzinger. Clean, beautiful, right off the line. Everybody can see it. Crowd erupts. But then you see, not Aaron, but the referee put his finger up. Aaron's walking away. Great serve, man. But the ref puts his finger up. Oh, Skander, that ball was out. Skander, what? What do you mean that ball's out? Clean on the line. He's arguing with the referee on a call. Like, the referee just hooked him. (laughs) Unbelievable. What does my man Aaron Hiltzik do? I mean, as us tennis players love to do, embarrass the referee and go, no, 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 no. That was in. I don't know what you're seeing, but that (laughs) serve was in. I saw it clean on the line. Normally, you see the player hook and the ref overrule. It was a little bit special to me. Near and dear to my heart to see a ref get embarrassed like that. And that ref needs to get his glasses really fixed before he tries to judge another Mansuri match because, oh my goodness, I could the crowd was yelling at this referee worse than I've ever seen. And I got to give a little shout out to my man Ian Dempster who's sitting right behind the court. This guy was giving that ref hell for the rest of the match. <laughs> Balls were hitting the back fence and Ian's, ref, was that in? Was that in, ref? I love it. Nothing nothing makes me happier than seeing a ref look stupid. Totally agree with you. And the two hooks I want to mention are actually a different category of hook. I, I, you might have just used this term, but business decisions is how I, I do it. that. So Kipson's playing Crawford, and I think it was a, 
a 40-30 point or something to prevent the deuce point, and they're playing side to side, and Crawford's at the sideline away from the line judge, and he hits a ball cross court, or no, 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 sorry, he's at the side of the line judge, hits a ball inside in right on that line judge uh, double or single sideline, and Kipson, you know, wants to get the hold, doesn't want to have to go to a deuce point, makes the business decision, calls it out, <laughs> but it was the least confident out call you'll ever see. Line judge goes, no, that was in. Kipson doesn't argue, looks immediately at Crawford and goes, Man, sorry. Like I, I know that was it. He's like, I'm completely again. I was making a choice there, and it's and then my second hook, exact same thing. Torpegard <laughs> Nuno, second set. Torp's trying to hold because I, I think because he was a breakdown at that point for five three. It's a ball on the far sideline this time. I mean, a good six to eight inches inside of the line. Torp again gives a look, just goes out. Line judge overrules. Not a second from Torp. He just turns. He goes, sorry. He puts his hand up like, sorry, Nuno. Like, no, I had to try it and just. The business decision hook. I love it. I love it's it. the little thing like that. All of my favorites. I will say I also saw only one player who will remain nameless. And again, Torp, I'm not trying to rip on you. You're my guy. Same thing, Kipson. Uh, both have been kind of you cracked interviews. So I'm not trying. I'm saying I love this aspect of tennis. And everyone misses calls. But only once today did I see a player block the line judge with his body and make an out call. And that player can remain unnamed. <laughs> again, second day, or I think third day in a row, I've seen that. Just awesome. Yeah, but uh, one quick closing comment about Kip. I, I remember that call. That's the, I like it. Hey, business decision. Business decision. He was he, w- he was getting beat around. You got to try and do something to get yourself back into the match. But you're right. But what he did with that referee was pretty much what he did with Crawford. Didn't put up a fight. <laughs> so hopefully he does a little bit more tomorrow. Maybe sell it a little more, Pat. Come on, ref. No way. Yeah. He literally looked at the ref and goes, "You're right. Sorry. Yeah. Hey, Oliver. <laughs> my bad, man. Hey, no, it was in by a foot. Great shot. Sorry. Come, Come on. Hey." Great try. Great try. See, I see what Great you did try. there. Like, it's a shot. natural pun. That's why we went with that <laughs> for the title. But, Beautiful. you know, I, I promised you guys we would do 20 to 25 minutes. Of course, we're at the hour mark. So I think it is time to wrap up. I will ask you guys any final thoughts from today's action, Matt? Uh, phenomenal day of tennis. Couldn't, couldn't have asked for anything better. I enjoyed every single match. We had three four threes. I don't know if that's ever been done in the quarterfinals of NCAAs. Um, and yeah, I'm just, I'm looking forward to the rest of the tournament. I think it's going to be great. I think we have a couple of, of good matches coming up. Um, and I'm going to pick wake against UCLA. I've had it the whole time. Those are going to be my two finalists and, uh, we'll see what happens tomorrow. What about you, Danny? What do you think? Any final thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I agree with Matt. Unbelievable day at tennis. Three, four threes. I mean, that's something as a tennis fan, you only dream about seeing it come down to two number ones, all top 10 players, in my opinion, find it out. I love it. I'm going to go a little bit different than that, though. I'm going to predict the final. It's going to be Wake, Ohio State. So, see, we'll you and see. I predicted the same final. I also have Wake, Ohio State, so I wouldn't be very shocked if that is the final case. Uh, I, you know, I'm actually heading back to Michigan because I have to get back to the real world, but I want to <laughs> give a, a shout-out to a couple of uh, just things in general. First of all, the entire Winston-Salem staff, so accommodating this entire time. We're recording now in what the, will be the media room for press conferences, and it was very nice of them to set up this room for us. They did not have to do that, so thank you to them. A special shout-out to Dan Wallace, who's been providing us with schedule updates, giving us the official box scores, has been telling us when we can and can't interview people, and for a young journalist, like myself, like Matt, that type of uh, advising has just been invaluable to our time here. So really want to thank them. Again, the entire Wake Forest staff, so great. And then I want to thank the fans 
who have truly embraced this, whether, you know, fans sticking around when it's not their team to watch matches, guys who are playing in the individuals or coaches who are here to come watch this. This weekend has been the hub of college tennis. It really is. Everyone's here. It's all the big minds. Uh, there's been a lot of fun trash talk, and I've heard a lot of offhand stories that I don't want to share today, but they will be shared over time, I promise you. So just such a great site. If you haven't come to the NCAAs, Come to the opening weekend. You know, everyone knows it's hard to get here during the weekdays, but come for next year's uh, quarterfinals, and, you know, you'll see at least four matches of outstanding tennis. So seriously, this weekend made our game look so good, and I'm so proud to be doing something like this. I also have to give one more thank you to all of the people who have joined me in this podcast booth. Chris Halioris, we have uh, Scott from Payers and Players, we have some Luca, uh, Lucas, who was just amazing. Little Luke, who was just on my shoulder the whole time. It's so great to have a little friend to watch all of these matches with. Danny, obviously, we only met today, but just to get to watch these matches with you. So fun. So great to have another eye. And then with young Matthew, we had not met before this weekend, but we had a time, to say the least. And it was so fun to just be in the tennis community. Again, you see it a little bit on tennis Twitter, but all of us together, so fun, such a great sport. We've all embraced it so much. So really, I, again, thank you guys for doing this, and thank you, NCA, for having me. It's been such a wonderful time. But enough sappy stuff. I'm going to give you a warning, Danny, because you're the new guy. You have to close us out with the hey, great shot. I'll, I'll set you up. You'll know it's when you're, your time, but just be ready for this. So one last time. For myself, Alex Gruskin, for my wonderful three-time co-host, Matt Stachowiak, for all of the people in Winston-Salem enjoying this college tennis tournament, for your dad, Danny, who's in the background and was kind enough to hang around for this and just allow us to get your expertise in, and of course for you, Danny, who, you know, first-time guest, and you will always be welcome back on the Great Shot Podcast, we say to you, hey, great shot. I love it, and we will see you all next week. Thanks, everyone.